Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The podcast world is growing bigger every day, and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and we're adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow the Killer Instincts podcast one you're there. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And if you are returning, then thank you so much for coming back. My name is Savannah Brimer, and I would love if you would go ahead and click that follow button. We post new episodes here every single week, and you do not want to miss it. So for today's case, you guys, we are talking about one that has been highly, highly requested that I've seen throughout my YouTube comments and comments from this podcast. And when looking into this case, there is a crazy, crazy turn of events that ends up happening. And it is kind of upsetting just because, as you will see, it kind of overshadows the true importance of this case. And what really matters in this case has kind of been masked by what we're going to be talking about later on. Before today, we are going to be looking into the disappearance of Brooke Henson. So Brooke Henson was born on April 17th of 1979. She lived with her family in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Brooke was 5'4". She had blonde hair and brown eyes, and her family described her as a fun-loving woman. She loved to go out hiking, and she just loved being in the outdoors. Like, that was her happy place. That was her thing. Brooke dropped out of high school when she was in the 10th grade and was still living with her family at home. And because there isn't a lot of information out there about her life prior to her disappearance or just her disappearance in general, we are just going to jump right into the night that she disappeared. So like I said, Brooke was living with her family in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina in 1999. On the night of July 3rd, 1999, Brooke was 20 years old and she was hosting a party at her family's home that night with some of her friends. Brooke's parents were out in Charlotte at a concert and they didn't end up getting home until about two o'clock in the morning. When they did get home, they saw Brooke sitting on their front porch of their family home and Brooke had told her parents that her and her boyfriend, Sean Shirley, had gotten into an argument earlier that night. Brooke told her parents that she was going to go for a little walk and get some cigarettes at this store called Willis. And Willis is a store that I have heard very conflicting things about when doing my research on this case. I've seen very conflicting statements about whether or not this store is a 24-hour store. 
I've also seen people say that this store is two different businesses, that it's a liquor store and that it's a gas station and that it's a liquor store and a convenience store. And all I do know is that it is not a 24 hour business anymore, but it very well could have been in 1999. This was about 20 years ago when this happened. So even though it isn't right now, it very well could have been during this time period. Brooke left for the store at about 2.30 in the morning, and the liquor store was about a mile away from where Brooke's family lived. And personally, I know for me, I don't care how far away it is. If it's 2.30 in the morning, I am not walking by myself. But like I said, this did happen a very long time ago, 20 years ago. So it just could have been a different time, you know, like it could have been safer. It could have been a really safe neighborhood. It could have just been the normal. It could have been part of her routine, but it was very clear that because of the argument she had gotten in with her boyfriend she just kind of wanted to cool off some steam and that is why she decided to go to the store right when brooke left her house she had left a note on her car and this note was intended for sean her boyfriend and it said follow me if you care and once she finished writing it she left it on the car left it on the windshield and started walking towards the store and that is the last time brooke has ever been seen when Brooke's parents reported her as a missing person, the police thought that this was the typical runaway who got into a fight with her boyfriend and just wanted to get away for a little bit to cool off and things like that. And they thought this so much so that the police did not start searching for her until three weeks after she went missing three weeks after she went missing. And there was only one sighting of Brooke that I can find, and it was someone who said that they saw Brooke at a lakeside party in River Falls, which isn't too far from where Brooke lived. However, the sighting was never confirmed. Let's talk about Brooke's boyfriend for a second. His name is Sean Shirley, and Sean did not have the cleanest track record. Sean had drug-related charges against him as well as an assault charge. Sean and Brooke were known to have a very, very, very much of a roller coaster of a relationship. People that knew them said that they were constantly arguing, constantly bickering, that they were very toxic for each other. And even though Sean has never been considered a suspect in Brooke's disappearance, him and his friends have actually refused to cooperate with authorities during the investigation. This led a lot of people in the direction of, well, if you have nothing to hide, why wouldn't you cooperate? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just kind of not refuse to talk to the police? And why wouldn't you just kind of do what you had to do in order to find your girlfriend if you are not guilty? Then there is the flip side of that where a lot of people thought, well, he already has X amount of charges on him, drug related and assault charges. And so clearly he doesn't look good in this. And he thought that it would be better to just not speak at all. A lot of people have thought that that was probably his mindset. And a lot of people have speculated because Sean was known to be really into drugs and he had these drug charges, it was probably not too far of a reach to think that drugs were involved during this night at some point. Sean and Brooke were out at a party and it probably wouldn't be the farthest stretch to think that maybe Sean had either taken something or maybe Brooke had taken something and maybe that's where the argument started or maybe that was just a part of it or maybe it had no play in it but a lot of people think it's not far off to think that drugs were but a lot of people do think that it's not far off to think that drugs played a part in this night. 
One thing that I thought was a little weird when it came to doing my research on Sean was there is no known location of where Sean was during the time period that Brooke went missing. No one knows where he was. And because he won't cooperate with the police, he won't tell them where he was either. Neither him nor his friends were cooperating. His friends weren't saying anything either, which kind of makes you look even worse, if I'm being honest, because if your friends aren't saying anything, it makes them look like they're covering up for you. Sean lawyered up pretty quick in this investigation. This makes him look suspicious, but it does not make him guilty. When it comes to the note that Brooke left on her car that said, follow me if you care. Clearly Brooke wouldn't have left this note, I wouldn't think, if she didn't think that Sean would see it. So was Sean at the house and hadn't left at that point? Or did he come back and see the note and then try to go after Brooke? It also makes me think, honestly, that maybe there was someone else at the house who hadn't left the party who saw the note and decided to follow Brooke. So this case went cold for years because the police were unable to find any evidence or anything that would lead to where Brooke was or where she could have gone. But in 2006, this case took such a bizarre twist. In June 2006, the police were shocked when they found out that Brooke's name, birthday, and social security number were being used in New York on a job application. At first, the police kind of thought that their initial theory that Brooke was a runaway was right because they thought that maybe Brooke had just gotten into a fight with her boyfriend and didn't want to deal with it anymore and didn't want to deal with what was going on in her life at that point anymore and that maybe the best thing for her was to get away and move to New York. So at first, police thought that their initial theory was right. Only to find out, <laughs> only to find out that they were so wrong. There was a woman by the name of Esther Reed who was using all of Brooke's personal information to enroll in classes at Columbia University, as well as use her personal information clearly for job applications and really everything else that she was doing. Two years before anyone noticed anything was wrong. And we're, and I'm just going to give you a very brief background about who Esther is. She was reported missing in 2004 by her father. And while she was missing, she had just mastered the act of manipulation and lying. She stole people's identities like for fun. That's literally what she did. And she used these identities to hop from school to school to school to get an education and to kind of get out of paying student loans. She also was so good at scamming people for money. She would make fake receipts for just these different stores and, and print out that the prices of products were higher than they were. So when she returned them, she would get money off of them, just things like that. And after the police caught her in New York, she actually fled to Chicago. That's where she packed up and went to and changed her name again, her identity again, to a woman named Jennifer Myers. When the police confronted Esther in New York, she kind of denied everything. She not kind of, she did deny everything. And she said that she was Brooke and that she ran away from home when she was 20 years old and she left voluntarily and wanted to start a new life in New York. Obviously, authorities were very skeptical about this and they asked her if they could do a DNA test because if you are Brooke, then you should have no problem doing this DNA test. And when it came around time for them to do the DNA test, Esther never showed up. And when the police arrived at her apartment, they saw that she had 
packed up some of her stuff and by some of her stuff I literally just mean her cat her toothbrush and her hairbrushes because if you think about it toothbrushes and hairbrushes very very easy DNA not that they didn't find out who she was anyways but very easy DNA to access Esther was arrested two years later in Chicago and was sentenced to four years and is now free. And here's what bothers me about this, and I'm only going to touch on this slightly, is that the media has glorified Esther beyond belief. And that is so frustrating when it comes to a case like this because it is completely taken the spotlight off of what is important here. And what is important is what happened to Brooke and not the woman who stole her identity because of her own personal issues. Anyways, that is all I'm really going to touch about with Esther. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. All right, you guys, welcome back. When it comes to Brooke and everyone that knows Brooke, Everyone says that it is completely unlike her character to just get up and leave one day because she had an argument with her boyfriend. She's had plenty of arguments with her boyfriend. Her and her boyfriend have been a roller coaster and it would just be so unlike her to leave without telling anyone. And it was literally like she left on foot, like she walked away and where was she going to go? Like she was literally on foot. One of the biggest, if not the biggest upset for me in this case is the fact that the police had waited three weeks before trying to look for Brooke three weeks that is 21 days 20 so much can happen in 21 days so much evidence can be destroyed in 21 days so much covering up can be done in 21 days and the fact that the police had not started looking until 21 days after she disappeared is beyond me Police are now saying, though, that they do believe that foul play was involved in Brooke's disappearance, and they do say that they think that they have a prime suspect in this case who they believe is responsible for Brooke's disappearance and also what they're calling now Brooke's murder. The police believe that because of how long Brooke has not been seen and Brooke has been missing, the probability of her being alive still is very unlikely. But when it comes to this prime suspect, they also say that they do not have enough proof and evidence to convict him yet. So I told you about that one tip that was made um, where Brooke was seen at a party in the River Falls community, which is in Greenville. Because of that tip, the case has been turned over to the Greenville County Sheriff. And I just want to say, coincidentally enough, 
Sean Shirley lives in Greenville. And something that I also think you should note about Sean Shirley is that he is a self-employed MMA fighter. So clearly he has some sort of strength. And honestly, you guys, I know you're going to be so irritated when I say this because I was too when I was reading about it. That is all of the information that is out there on this case. I think the whole thing, the whole case to me is so bizarre. The whole thing is shady, I believe. And the fact that Brooke went to take a walk at 2.30 in the morning to go get cigarettes by herself after a fight with her boyfriend. And then Sean, her boyfriend at the time, is being uncooperative, refuses to speak to the police. His friends refuse to speak to the police. He lawyers up. And at the same time, like I said, there are two sides of this. Maybe he didn't want to fall deeper into a hole of the charges that he already had against him for drugs an assault but like i said before if you are sean this does not look good for you you have drug charges you have an assault charge and now your girlfriend is missing his lawyer probably told him not to say anything which is understandable and it and i don't blame him for lawyering up a lot of people thought that that was really weird but i don't think that that is very strange at all um i also think that the fact that he was 100 percent uncooperative definitely says something. And I say this in almost every case, but I feel like in a case like this, it is so prominent. And that is that someone knows something. Brooke did not just walk out of her driveway one day into plain sight and disappear into midair. That's not what happened. Whether it was Sean who followed her and they got into another argument that went extremely south or if or there's another possibility here. She could have been walking along the side of the road and was just in the wrong place at the wrong time for someone to come and basically kidnap her. Same thing with her going to the store. If she was at the store buying cigarettes, maybe wrong person, wrong time, and she could have just been abducted. And I think the issue and the frustration that comes with cases that have such little information out there is that it just leaves for so much room for guesses and theories. And because of that, I am so curious and would so, so, so love to know what you guys think about in this case. Do you think that Sean is guilty? Do you think Sean is innocent and that it was just some random bystander who unfortunately was in the wrong place at the wrong time as Brooke? Brooke deserves justice and her family deserves closure. I cannot even imagine what her family is going through, especially having her, especially when your daughter's identity, your missing daughter's identity gets stolen in New York and the police have to come tell you that there is a woman who is stealing your daughter's, your missing daughter's identity in New York. I just couldn't even imagine what that felt like and what that feels like. I am just very the whole thing bothers me all of it bothers me and sean being uncooperative bothers me the fact that the police didn't start looking for three weeks bothers me nothing adds up in this case to where it's like okay this makes sense nothing makes sense here and so i'm really really curious to see what you guys have to say about this case all right, you guys, that is going to be it for me today. If you are new here, like I said, please make sure and go ahead and click that follow button. That way you never miss an episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Killer Instinct. I will see you guys next week with a brand new episode and stay safe.